This week on Glistening Particle. Yeah, it has to, and and that's hope. That's what this is, is giving hope. Giving hope not to just kids, but families, you know, because that's literally, uh, that's what you live on. That's how you survive. This journey is by believing and having faith in, in that hope that there is a treatment that'll, you know, cure your child or that'll at least buy more time. This is Glistening Particles, and I'm Jane, your host. I like to hear inspiring stories for people that I barely know and share them with you, and that's what we do here. I never know how it's going to go. I never know what they're going to say, but it's always a good story. Hey, listeners, this is a special series for the Great Cycle Challenge, where I'm hoping to shine light on some of the riders participating in this amazing fundraiser for Children's Cancer Research Fund. Did you know over 15,700 American children are diagnosed with cancer every year, and sadly, 38 children die every week? These riders are in there giving their time and effort to help change that number and change that story. So if you get a chance, go out and donate, and please support this incredible fundraising effort. Thank you. Hi, everyone. In this episode, I'm talking with Nat's mom, Katie Holly. Katie takes the time to walk us through her experience of the diagnosis, treatment, and eventually losing Nat to osteosarcoma. It's a hard story to hear, but it definitely will inspire you to make a change for the future for our children. As we get to the end, around marker 22, 25 or so, you'll find the spirit of Nat, the letter she leaves her mom after she passes away. So be sure to hang in there. Hi, Katie. Welcome to Glistening Particles. Hi, Jane. Nice to meet you. I am so happy to have some time with you today. I'm sure you're in a lot of demand considering I think your team Team Nat is like the biggest team out there raising for the Great Cycle Challenge this year. It is that is. about right? <laughs> That's pretty exciting. You know, um, I have to tell you, when I start, when I found out about this challenge, because this is my first year, I remember as I saw it kind of flow past me on Facebook, I saw mentions of Team Nat and I saw all the, you know, excitement being generated around the story and around Nat. And then I was right along with the ride when we heard the news that she passed away. And so this is one of those stories that it in, in the cancer story category does not have the happy ending, but I think with what everybody's trying to do and raise a million dollars in her name, we're trying to create a better ending 
Would you, is that about what we're doing here? Yep. Yep. Hopefully we can raise more than a million. Hoping we oh can exceed gosh. that. But I mean, that would be amazing. I know. Yeah. I mean, already there's what, three, over 3,000 riders and over, over 600,000 as of a couple of days ago. Mm-hmm. Where are you? Do you know where it's at right now? I think I just looked at it. It was like 670,000. You're right. Actually, 682,000 and some change there already. Oh That's amazing. That's amazing. And we just started. I mean, literally yesterday was the first day. Of so, the ride. I know. Yeah. Isn't that crazy? Yeah. It's crazy. And then I just looked up, you have 3,059 members <laughs> already. Okay. Get this. Already, this group has ridden 32,000 miles since wow. yesterday. 32,000 miles. That is crazy. Oh, my gosh. Oh, I'm so excited. I know. I know. Can you imagine what she's doing up there? She's probably doing backflips. Oh, yeah. She'd be like, (laughs) really? She'd be so humbled and so grateful. I know. She's like, how am I going to make cupcakes for 3,000 people? (laughs) That's that's a a kind of problem we all wish we had, right? That's an okay problem. So um, why don't you share, if you wouldn't mind, a little bit more about Nat's story and your family's story for the listeners. Yeah. So Nat was 12 when she was diagnosed. She had been having some leg pain um, early in her sixth grade year and Mm -hmm. took her to the doctor. We thought it was growing pains. Um, cause it was at that age where kids start growing pretty rapidly and, um, the pain just didn't go away. And we went to, we went on a, um, epic Canadian tour. We had mm-hmm. a friend's wedding up in Tobamori and we took a 10 day trip and mm-hmm. she just was not feeling good, but she still toughed it out. And we came back home and I was getting her ready to go to camp. And she just didn't, she just didn't look right. And mm-hmm. we're on our way to Target and I was going to get her some stuff. And I just happened to like glance at her leg for some mm-hmm. reason and mm-hmm. she had pants on. And I just noticed that her leg was a bit swollen. And that's when she burst into tears. And this kid doesn't really cry, but she mm-hmm. was crying and she's like I'm in so much pain and I said okay this isn't good so we ended up I ended up driving her to urgent care because I mm-hmm. she was supposed to go to camp the next day and I'm like let's just make sure you didn't like and she had been at a friend's cabin mm-hmm. the night or the um night prior and so I said well, let's just make sure you didn't bruise anything or there's right. anything worse going on mm-hmm. and that you're able to go to camp and I brought her to the urgent care and they were about to close and the doctor would just kind of looked at us and she was expecting more of a urgent situation mm-hmm, and mm-hmm. like a more trauma. <laughs> um, right. But I said, you know, she'd been complaining of leg pain. Um, her leg is swollen. Can we just get it checked out? And the doctor just was feeling around and she's like, I'm going to do an x-ray. And I said, okay. So it was like eight o'clock at night. Mm-hmm. We do the x-ray and she motions me into this room where she had the um, x-ray up and mm-hmm. she points to it and 
I mean, all I see is this white mass. Like oh, I didn't right. even know it was a mass, but it was just white. Right. And I didn't know what an X-ray, like what normal bone was supposed to look like. So I didn't see anything wrong, mm-hmm. I guess. And she just happened to point. She's like, this is good bone, which was a really gray area. And then she she pointed to the white mass and she's like, this is not normal bone. Mm-hmm. And she's like, you need to come in tomorrow. And so we did that. And the doctor sat both of us down. And he's like, we think she has a sarcoma. And I was like, mm-hmm. what? what's that? And he's like, bone cancer. And it took me, it seemed like forever for that word to register in my right. head. Because my sister had, had was dealing with breast cancer and so mm-hmm. in my head I'm like adults get cancer not kids like my kid right. doesn't have cancer I mean you think of St. Jude's but it's so it's not it, it'll, it doesn't happen to you mm-hmm. and so finally you know like it hit and he told us that we were going to have scans and he referred us down to the U and he said there's a surgeon he can call you. And so we ended up calling, or I ended up going home and Googling. I was going to say, like, that first night, did you Google things? Or oh, did yeah. You just, oh, okay. Don't do that. <laughs> like, right, right. Do, when, when I've met new parents, and it's obviously distinctive, but Dr. Google sometimes is not. Right. You know, the first place you should go. Well, but And you never know, but I totally get it. Yeah, because... Right? He just says sarcoma. And right. there are three primary sarcomas that typically hit kids this age, mm-hmm. uh, bone cancer. And it's Ewing, osteo, and rhabdo. And I didn't know which one. And I was reading this, and I had no idea what I was reading. And then I happened to Google the doctor, the surgeon, who they had mm-hmm. referred us to. And I look at his resume, and I'm like, very impressive. I was mm-hmm. impressed by that. But then, too, he specialized in bone tumors. And I'm like, okay, specifically osteosarcoma. But at mm. the time, I didn't know what any of this was. It was all just so foreign. Right. And so we go down to the U and we, um, for her biopsy, and mm-hmm. it's just everything is just so new. And mm-hmm. I had never, I've never been one to be comfortable in the hospital mm-hmm. setting because for me, a hospital kind of represented death. And so I'm, right. I was trying to keep my cool and that just like, yeah, everything's fine, you know, but, and so we um, were waiting for um, her to come back from the biopsy. And mm-hmm. I just so happened to read the newspaper. And they had an article in the Star Tribune about this little boy who um, had made friends with a hockey player, well-known mm-hmm. hockey player. Um, oh, what's his name? Mm-hmm. I can't think of it right now. But um, I wish I could help you out on that. But that I know he's right a wild player. Um, and mm-hmm. so I was reading this story, and I'm like, oh. I think I should read this and it was about a little boy who was a patient at the U of M who Uh had osteosarcoma okay and he would only live for about less than a year Mm -hmm. and he had passed and they said that he had passed from like 
lung tumors and I was like yep I'm done reading that and we get the results and sure enough it was osteosarcoma and I lost my stuff and did did you have other people with you at the hospital or was it I did I had my mom I had my mom okay and so we you know we get that and then we have more scans and then we end up finally meeting the team and her primary doctor and Mm -hmm. I just remember and I had a best friend with and they brought us into this tiny little room Mm -hmm. and all of a sudden I see like 10 people strangers right in this room and I'm like who are these people I don't know who you are and this Mm -hmm. lady who was like I mean, she was beautiful, and she just comes Mm -hmm. walking in, and she was um, Dr. Weigel. And at the time, I mean, obviously, I didn't know who she was, but she just sat Nan down, and she is very calm and explaining the scan results. And Mm -hmm. she's like, you know, know, we looked at your CT, you know, we know that you have osteosarcoma, and then we looked at your CT scan, and we noticed that it has already metastasized to your lungs so you have Mm -hmm. and so I'm like freaking out because I just read the article you know Mm -hmm. when she was getting her biopsy and so I literally just shaking said Mm -hmm. we're we need to start chemo now like I don't want to stop and so she ended up getting a report the next day and they started mm-hmm. chemo that night and mm-hmm. it happened to be the hardest chemo. Mm-hmm. And so she was really sick and I didn't realize how long we were going to be there. We we're only there for like four days, but she was really sick and mm-hmm. she wouldn't eat and she was already tiny to begin with. Mm-hmm. So she could not afford to lose any weight. And mm-hmm. so we just, um, so yeah, that was kind of the beginning of the journey. Okay. And then we just had, and they gave us a schedule and basically it was going to be a lot of impatient and I was going to have to travel from Duluth to Minneapolis quite a bit. And mm-hmm. they said the treatment was supposed to be about less than a year mm-hmm. and she was going to have surgery on her leg and mm-hmm. they were going to take, which they did, and they took two thirds of her femur Mm-hmm. I replaced it with a titanium alloy bone and she had a complete mm-hmm. knee replacement, but they were able to save her leg, mm-hmm. which I was so thankful for. Mm-hmm. And so we did that and um, we thought we were good. Um, and then it came back. Well, right. it didn't come back, but the tumors in her lungs had gotten bigger. Okay. And so we had to stop the chemo that she was on. And we switched over to a new chemo. Uh-huh. And then she ended up having um, two lung surgeries to remove the tumors in her lungs. And so we did that and we thought we were good. And then um, we're up in Duluth and we went to the doctors and she just had, she needed to go to the bathroom and she comes out and she's like, mom, I have this like bump on my tush. Mm-hmm. And I was like, okay. And I look at it and I'm like, oh, that doesn't look 
normal. And so mm-hmm. we had one of the oncologists look at it and she's like, you know, I think we need a CT. Oh my God. And I was like, it's just like it won't, it's like this roller coaster ride from, oh, yeah. you know, of the, the worst possible kind. Oh, yeah. And you can't get off of it. You're just like, okay, I'm ready to get off. That's done. Let's be done. Let's be done. Oh, yeah. And and yeah. it was so hard because for Nat, she was like, okay, I'm I'm almost to the end, right? And she right. has so much to look forward to, like her make a wish trip, or hanging out with her friends, and just being a normal teenager, right? And all of a sudden, it's like the cancer comes back, and sure enough, the bump on her tush, which came out of nowhere, and it was completely mm-hmm. unexpected. Like the scans didn't pick up on it, nothing was osteosarcoma and so we ended up having to sit down once again and say okay well we've already we can't Mm -hmm. do the two chemos that you've already done Mm -hmm. so now we're at that point where we have to start looking at trials okay and so once again she they say we could do an oral chemo or we could do another iv chemo which means that it's outpatient right but it would have us coming down to Minneapolis, you know, quite a bit again. And so she opted to do the chemo again. And she's like, I think the one thing that she was more upset about was losing her hair. Right. And right. That's, so that's traumatizing. It you is. Because her hair was everything, you know, right. and she loved doing hair and makeup and stuff. And so we once you know, again. One of the, I'm sorry to stop you. One of the things you said was, and she chose to do the chemo. So it sounds like you gave her her choices about her life decisions. Yes, yes. So when it came back again, I essentially gave her that. Like she was, even though she was 12, 13 at the time, Mm -hmm. she started really advocating for her health. Mm -hmm. You know, she knew what she, how, you know, how long her, the lidocaine sat on her port, port. She knew, you know, and she was very direct to the nurses mm-hmm. and stuff. And so I was like, you know what, kid? I mean, this is your body and you have to go through this. And I was very surprised. Well, I wasn't surprised, but I was very fortunate that the doctors, you know, looked to her first, mm-hmm. you know, because they knew. They knew that she was the one that would have to go through this. And we, we, I mean, made the choice as a team, her and I, mm-hmm. but ultimately it was her decision. And she decided once again to do chemo. And we did that for six months and we thought, yeah, we're done. She had just finished it. And she's like, first chemo treatment that she'd actually finished. Mm-hmm. And we go and we do our scans the three month, you know, the scans just to see how, where everything is. And uh-huh. we get there and um, the doctor comes in and he's like, well, good news is there's nothing in the lungs. The lungs look stable. Mm-hmm. We're like, yay. And, but he said, he, he kind of looked at now. He's like, have you been having some other pains? And she's like, yeah, my back. Mm-hmm. And he kind of pointed, he's like, where? And she pointed to her back and he's like well we just found that on your last on this previous scan that Mm -hmm. it lit up on your spine 
Oh boy. And it was like. You just can't catch a break. Yeah, like, it was just no break. devastating. And we all just kind of stopped. And she was like, okay. And she always had her iPad with, mm-hmm. and she downloaded this 3D app for mm-hmm. um, that showed the anatomy and everything. And she's like, okay show me where it is because that's mm-hmm. how she processed all of this was she wanted to be informed mm-hmm. and she did it in a way of like science like she wanted to know how it affected her body and everything and like and so that's how she processed all mm-hmm. this information and so she wanted to know where it was on her spine and so we just we took it from there and we put her on another oral chemo Mm -hmm. to kind of keep it stable because we wanted to go on her make a wish trip well Mm -hmm. this chemo made her really sick Mm. and so we ended up in the hospital for quite a long time trying to deal with her pain and everything and finally we got her to a really good place and then her um we put her on another trial last summer and it, it happened so quickly that it just like my brain kind of trying to remember like right what yeah. happened but she was in the in, moment it, ta- it feels like it's taking forever but in the yeah. looking back it's like a it's blink like, you know oh yeah so we then she was she went on another chemo which was an oral chemo and so last summer, she was really good. We went on a trip. We went out to South Dakota. She went on a fishing trip. Um, and we went out to the Badlands and everything. Mm-hmm. And then all of a sudden, she was like, God, my back just hurts. Mm-hmm. You know, we got back to Minneapolis, and she was complaining about back pain. And mm-hmm. we're like, okay. So we bring her in, and they said, okay, let's just do an MRI. Because she was due for an MRI, mm-hmm. you know, in a month. But they decided to bump it up. And mm-hmm. we found that her tumor in her spine had literally grown overnight. Like it was wow. compressing on her spine. So they oh admitted gosh. her. And they said, okay, this is what we're going to have to do. We're going to do a complete vertebra resection, which means they took out her T11 vertebra, Uh the bone, took it out completely and put a cage where that vertebra would be. And then they put two rods in her back, like a spinal fusion. Well, if you think about this, like, here's the thing, you're, you're like explaining the, the experience, but from, from like stepping back here and thinking about that, it's like, we're taking this small body of this child who's yeah. a human being and we're cutting parts out of her and we're putting things in her and yeah. we're giving her medicines that are like trying to basically almost kill her, but not quite, mm-hmm. you know, to take the, to take the cancer away. And I just like, this is what the great cycle challenge mm-hmm. and every effort we're doing to fundraise is yeah. about because this is what, you know, my dream would be. And I'm sure everyone else around us mm-hmm. that as soon as possible. And I mean like in 10 years or sooner, yeah. We look back on what is ha- what just happened to her and go, that was like the dark ages. Why mm-hmm. were we doing that? So this is so, it's so important, this thing, this thing that we're doing. And I think that, you know, when I um, stumbled, literally stumbled upon the Great Cycle Challenge, like on a Facebook ad, I had no idea what I was going to learn and experience going through this. And we're only on day two of this, uh, the ride itself. Mm-hmm. The fundraising effort is 
extraordinary. I mean, the, the to think, like, when I sit back and think, like, I'm participating on something with more than 75,000 people mm-hmm. that I've never met, mm-hmm. you know, and we're becoming friends and we're talking and we're, you know, it's just like the energy behind that. We have to believe it's going to bring the next thing so we can yeah. tell that story. It has and, to. Yeah, it has to. And and that's hope. That's what right. this is, is giving hope. Right. Giving hope not to just kids, but families. Right. You know, because that's literally, uh, that's what you live on. That's how you survive mm-hmm. this journey is by believing and having faith mm-hmm. in, in that hope that there is a treatment that'll, you know, cure your child or that'll at least buy more time, you know. Right. And I look at her, at the pictures of her and those things that you've shared. And I think they're the power and strength in that little girl is just like, it's like, I, I have no excuses to like not step up on everything I do in my life. You know what I mean? Oh, yeah. like, to look at it, the power and strength of her to go endure all of that. You know, I'm not going to complain. I have nothing to complain about. And, yeah. and I think that's what, you know, what she brought. I mean, I've heard the stories and read about how she, um, you know, she was just so gracious and had such mm-hmm. humility and going through this journey and all the people around her, um, yeah. you know, rather than making people feel sorry for her or um, things like that, she was the one that was bringing the light, you know? Yeah. yeah. And it was never about her. It was always about everybody. Mm-hmm. Like how could she make, the kid that had the same cancer feel better because they had something to relate. I mean, the way she just reached out and she cared, she Mm -hmm. cared about how you felt, how you were. And she, it was when you, when she talked to you, it was just you and her, you know? And when she hugged you, it was so genuine, Mm -hmm. you know? And I think that's the thing about all these kids that are fighting Mm -hmm. is that they are wise beyond their years and they have this heart that is just so pure and innocent but they have they're so genuine right because they know right you know that they might not live or they might like they are faced with things that they should not have to be facing at their age Absolutely. I mean, just, I mean, looking at the, just the pain that the the utter pain and the, all the hardships that she suffered, but honestly, I, and I, I don't know if uh, I think I read this or could see it even in who she is. It was harder probably for her to see you suffering. Oh yeah. You know, and as parents, we're, we will always say, listen, I'll take all that on. Don't let my, don't let my child go through it, but we can't. But yet here she was you know, worrying about you suffering, worrying about you watching her go through this. Oh, yeah. Yeah. And she was. I mean, she was always concerned about me and my well-being, Uh, you know, if I got enough rest. And heck, she still worries about me to this day. You know, I mean, that's just how she was. And, And see, towards the end, we ended up becoming not just a you know, she was my daughter and I was her mom. Like 
we end up forging this great friendship, mm-hmm. you know, because right. we leaned on one another and we supported one another. But like I said, towards the end, I really gave her that control mm-hmm. over what she wanted because I was like, I'm not dealing with it, you know. Did, did she choose to come home and? Yes. Okay. Yeah. She chose one. She found, and she was the one that asked that question. So it was Christmas. It was around the holidays. Mm-hmm. And she was the one that basically sat the doctor down and said, is this going to kill me? Mm-hmm. And that's when the doctor had to be straight up and frank and said, yeah. And so from then on, she just took it like, the hard questions. I mean, that was so brave of her. Oh my gosh. For I can't even imagine. Say, look at the doctor and say, am I going to, is this going to kill me? Am I right. terminal? Like, are we running out of options? Are my options now done? Like, mm-hmm. and so, cause she always knew in the back of that, in the back of her mind that that could be a possibility, but she right. always, like I said, had to, held on to hope that there was another option. We had, we always had options, right? but they were getting fewer and fewer once it mm-hmm. came back. And right. so that's when she really said, okay. And she finally, she embraced it. I mean, she was mad and she was grieving, mm-hmm. obviously, but she was like, okay, what am I going to do with this? Because right. I can't, no amount of me being mad and feeling sorry for myself is going to turn this around. So how can I make the most of the time I have right now? Mm-hmm. And so she really looked at other, you know, other kids who had passed and uh, to see how they lived, knowing that they were going to die. Mm-hmm. And one of them was... Um, Zach Sobiak. Mm-hmm. And then another was a little kid named Dexter, who was another um, young boy from this town that mm-hmm. passed away from neuroblastoma. But both of them just, they were so brave in the face of death. Mm-hmm. And they took it on. And so she was like, I want to make a bucket list. I'm going to plan my funeral. Oh. You know, and she became more open about the topic of death. Mm-hmm. You know, and I never pushed her into talking about it. I let her direct mm-hmm. the conversation. That's, that's incredibly brave. And again, like you said, she had she was so wise beyond her years. Oh, yeah. You know, I would love to celebrate a few of the things that were special about her that aren't related to cancer. So let's talk about who she was as a as a human, right? Um, so what are some of the things that she really enjoyed doing? You know, she really enjoyed being with her friends, Mm -hmm. first and foremost. Like, her friends were everything. And she enjoyed art because it was a way to let her just her creative side come out. Mm -hmm. She was so creative and just, I mean, just the way her brain worked. And I was like, I was not like, I'm like, I don't know where you got that from. You know what she just I mean, art was her thing. And then also being outdoors. Like I really instilled, it's, you know, that passion in them. And it's so beautiful up there too. I mean, all the woods and the, or the lake and everything. There's so much to see. Oh yeah. There's so much. And here's the thing, like, 
when she passed, I had no regrets. And I, and she didn't have any regrets too. I mean, she regretted that she wasn't going to have like the teenage, um, you know, to be a teen, to experience mm-hmm. those things. Mm-hmm. But I think, you know, at the end of the day, she had no regrets because even, I mean, before she got sick, we're already living life mm-hmm. fully. Like, you know, they were never, I mean, we were never inside all the time. Mm-hmm. We were always traveling. I mean, I taught them how to fish. Mm-hmm. We went hiking all the time, kayaking. Like, we were very busy oh, experiencing good. life because I right. wanted to teach my kids that. I'm like, Life isn't about what you have in terms of material things. It's about the experiences and making memories through those experiences. Absolutely. And so we had already done a lot. I mean, she's she's experienced more than a lot of adults do. Oh, that's good. And so she already was... I mean, she already was very worldly, like, mm-hmm. you know, cultured. And so she loved traveling, being outside, you know. And But her favorite spot, her favorite thing was just to be by the lake. I think that was our, mm. that was her favorite spot was to be by the lake. And we had this tradition that we just happened to start up, and that was having a bonfire on the beach every Friday. And she'd always invite her friends and she was always so excited about it because she got to, I taught them how to build their own fire. And she always liked having her friends come and experience that. So have you continued that tradition? Yeah. Yeah, we have. And I want to, I mean, I still want to continue that. So we've only had one Uh and we haven't been able to have, I haven't gotten out because it's either been too cold or right. You know, We're finally there. But, so do I you mean, do you um do you feel her presence around you? I do, okay. especially now, mm-hmm. you know. And I just you know, but the thing is that like her spirit is so strong that I don't feel like she's gone and mm-hmm. gone. Mm-hmm. So. But yeah, she she's everywhere. Or just yeah, gonna have to see what that is. It's, it's gonna, gonna be amazing, whatever it, it is. It is, it is. I mean, seriously, I can you can just totally feel her presence right now in this conversation yeah. and in this this team that's writing yeah. for her. And you know, I've interviewed um, other people who are on Team Nat. Actually, I don't mm-hmm. know if you knew that that because all the um, episodes haven't gone up yet, but. Um, and they are actually cancer survivors themselves and hearing their stories and why they're writing. It's just, you know, it's not a, nobody who's writing is doing it for themselves. Everyone's doing it for somebody else. And for them to have gone through that experience themselves and then turn around and go, I want to support team Nat and, Mm -hmm. you know, get that to change is just like, it, it, it's like, you can't, you got to drop the mic and just end the day. You know what I mean? It's like one of those moments you're like, yeah. okay, there's nothing more to say. <laughs> yeah. I yeah. mean, it's just so beautiful and so humbling. Yep. Just yeah. the amazing support. 
you I've know, never seen anything for, like it. I've never seen yeah, it myself. Yeah. I mean, not just for Nat, but for all the kids. Right. You know, that we've lost and that are still fighting. I mean, right. it's amazing. Yeah. And I'm so just humble and grateful. Well, I yeah. certainly um, want to thank you for sharing your yeah. story with me today. And I'm sure um, I can't even imagine like the amount of, of like sadness that you've suffered through this, this period of time. And I really hope that seeing how many people are trying to support um, Nat and change the story helps mm -hmm. like um, fortify you as well and bring that back yeah. to your family. You know? It does. It okay, does. Good. And it helps so much. And just being able to get outside because that's what she wanted me to do. I mean, oh. she left me a list. Oh, seriously? <laughs> yeah, I actually have it. I'll read you. Oh, things. absolutely. Like, she left it for a friend of mine. And so <sighs> here it is. Okay. I'm ready. Uh, I gotta pull it up. Okay. So it says, um, so my friend was dictating it for her, but she said, help my mom travel again. Mm. Help mom see the beauty in things again. Help mom get into photography again. Remind mom not to dwell on things, i.e. past relationships. <laughs> Give the other person a chance to talk to, explain things. Help mom keep a good relationship with Gabby. So even when she was gone, she had a plan to make sure I would be okay. Oh my gosh. You know? And so now I imagine all you can do is make sure you meet those goals that she set out because yeah. like that's your, that's your purpose is to honor yeah. that. Right. And to go on. Yeah. And, and that must, I mean, that is part of the hard thing. Like you want to do all the right things to honor the life that she lived. But I think that the list that she gave you is pretty, um, it's all good. It's like all good yeah. for you and good for yeah. the, the life that you're going to lead going forward. Yeah. She wanted to make sure, you know, her sister is going to be okay mm -hmm. and that I was going to be okay, you know, because she's like, I'm not going to be here. To right. Make sure that, you know, they keep doing what you're doing. So. Well, I hope you and her sister feel all the love coming at you from around the country. Mm -hmm. And um, I really, oh, I want to make sure people know where to donate so they can support your page. Oh, yeah. So it's, um, people can go donate at greatcyclechallenge.com slash riders slash Katie, K-A-T-Y, Holly, H-A-W-L-E-Y. So head on out there and I'll link it on the show notes as well. And let's do this. Let's change this story and Team Nat, change the world. Sound good? Yes. Yes, it does. Sounds amazing. And thank you for all the support that everybody has given to Team Nat for just the whole Great Cycle Challenge. All right. Well, enjoy this perfect, pretty perfect weather. I will. And thank you again. Thanks, Katie. Bye. Bye. So this is about my eighth take of trying to record the ending to this episode because every time I start, I tear up and I can't get my words. So I'm just going to keep going this time. That story was hard to hear. The fact that that girl had to go through so much pain and then not make it. We need to change this. We need to change this, everyone. So please go out and make a donation. 
and help us end this childhood cancer experience. Because you know, ending childhood cancer will hopefully mean we're ending all cancer because we get it where it starts. And these kids are trying to teach us. These kids are the ones that are going through the pain and trying to help us rush to make it end. So go out and donate at the Great Cycle Challenge and go to Katie's page and donate there for Team Nat. Thanks, everyone. So are you following your passion, inspiring people, and willing to share your story? Then find me, because that's what I do. And remember, keep up with all the news by visiting glisteningparticles.com and signing up for the newsletter where you'll get the inside scoop on where I'll be wandering next, some guest updates, and the latest random acquaintance story. For up-to-the-moment shenanigans, follow the show on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter. And if you see me post from down the road at your local diner, be sure to drop everything and come say hi, because I love to meet the listeners. Until next time, keep shining. Keep shining.